You're about to listen to a message from the Father's Church. The Father's Church is an assembly of believers committed to revealing the fatherhood of Almighty God to this generation through sound biblical teachings and corresponding moral conduct. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. Let's open to the book of Genesis chapter 15. I'll read from verse 1 to verse 6. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceeding reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing that I go childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Verse 5. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven. And count the stars. If you are able to number them. And he said to him. So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord. And he accounted it to him. For righteousness. Praise the living word of God. Father we thank you Lord. Let your word be blessed O Lord. Let it benefit our bones and our soul. In the name of Jesus Christ. I want to bring your attention. That here. He was not called Abraham. Abraham. And if you know the difference, you know that he has received the promise, but that transformation has not yet come. So someone may say, uh-uh, but why is he believing? Why is he, you know, that is keen into this when he has not yet been transformed? Praise Jesus. But this is the point where he was accounted righteousness for his believing. If I will title the message I have this morning, I will call it Righteousness through believing. Praise Jesus. Galatians 3 verse 6 and 7. Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. Praise Jesus. Abraham, by believing, became the father of faith. Became my father. Became your father. But it's your father and my father when we believe. Praise Jesus. So if we don't believe, we are not heirs of Abraham. Right? Praise Jesus. When Abraham believed God, if you look at his age, there is nothing that will make him believe. I mean, somebody is already very old. They take him outside. They say, look at the stars. Count them. Your descendants shall be as this. Praise Jesus. Let me tell you what it means. It's like you are looking, you don't have food in the house. You don't have money. You are just looking for somebody that will help you, give you money to go to whom you borrow money from. And they call you and say, you see that big house is your own. I don't know if you get the picture. See that big house, that mansion is your own. And then somebody is living there. The house is not empty. That's what happened to him. He believed God when there was no sign of 
anything coming. He believed him. Praise Jesus. You know, some of us, it's easy to believe God when the circumstances are right. But in this case, there was nothing that was right. But he believed God. Praise Jesus. James 2, verse 23. Because he believed God, all his actions continued to confirm that he believed. Look at here. And the scripture was fulfilled. Which says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. Now, if you look at this, this scripture came from, you know, when Abraham was asked, okay, that's this that son that I give you. All right, go and sacrifice him for me. So he became the friend of God. You see that it was not just righteousness. Abraham continued to work into intimacy with God, by believing God. Praise Jesus. 24 says, you see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. That is when he was asked to sacrifice Isaac. Praise Jesus. So by his works, by his actions, he showed that he believed God. And then he was called his friend. Praise Jesus. In the book of Romans 4, I take from verse 17 to 22. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope, believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. 21. And being fully convinced that what he has promised, he was able to perform. 22. And therefore, it was counted to him for righteousness. What God is looking for in every one of us is that we believe him beyond everything we can see, beyond the circumstances. We believe him even when things are going the wrong way, the way we don't want. And he has promised us he will do it. We will still believe him. In fact, we will say, okay, that is the shortest road he's taking. It's not the longest one. Praise Jesus. And Abraham, when he said, sacrifice your son Isaac, he believed, okay, look, if he said that, that means he's able to raise him from the dead. The Bible recorded that he received him back to life, figuratively. Praise Jesus. Let's go there, Hebrews 11, 17 to 19. He said, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises, offered up his only begotten son. Of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. Concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Praise Jesus. Now, let me tell you what this means. Because, you know, sometimes when we read some things, we think they're just Bible stories. God has given you a son. And he has told you, through this son, I'm going to bring all those uh, descendants. And then God said, go and sacrifice that son. If it's me, I would say this is not God. Because it's not in line with his word. How can you give me a son? 
you told me clearly, through this son, you are going to do what? Bring, and then you now say I should go and sacrifice him. Which other son? That means, are you lying? My own human way thinking, my way, my logical way, will tell me that it cannot be God. The enemy wants to kill this, uh, this promise. Ah, so it's his tricks. He wants to eliminate him. Praise Jesus. But Abraham believed. But Abraham did not just believe, okay, I'm going to sacrifice. Abraham went further. He said, okay, that means you want to bring him back to life. Because the thing is that because you said, your word has said that through him, then it means that you want to bring him back. Praise Jesus. The question I ask ourselves this morning is, how much do you and I believe God? How much do we really believe God? Are we part of those that we want to help God achieve it? You know, sometimes you've received a promise and you want to help God achieve that promise. Or do we believe him in totality, completely, no matter what is happening? He has said it, he has said it. And if he has said it, it must come to pass. Believing him to that level will credit me righteousness. And that's what I'm looking for. Abraham was credited righteousness because he believed. Now the thing is, can I and you believe to the level of receiving the credit of righteousness? Or do I believe him only when I can see the physical evidences of that the thing is about to happen? Praise Jesus. If I believe him, then I'll believe that he answers prayers. Because he said he'll answer. He said he'll answer. Then if I believe him, I'll believe he answers. If I believe him, then I'll believe that he will and is capable to accomplish his promises. God's capacity is one of the things that men continue to doubt. Sometimes we compare his ability to the level or to the uh, height of the situation that we have. You know, I have something too big for me. Automatically it becomes too big for God. Praise Jesus. If I believe God, then I will wait. I will put my trust in him. If I believe him, I will wait. You know, there's this story I had once. I believe it's true. But the story, you know, why it touched me so much is that it made me to understand what waiting on God means. And even at the end of the story, my tears started running out of my eyes. There's this boy, I think he's somewhere in uh, South America. When the boy was going to school in the morning, the father accompanied him and said, Go. I will come to pick you. Wait for me. And before the closing of the school, earthquake happened. And the school was covered with rubbles. Buried. The children, all of them were buried in that rubble. So when this man ran to the gate of the school, the school was down. And other parents were there. They were not allowing them. He wanted to move to go for his son. Others said, where are you going? Look at the situation before you. I mean, our children, nobody, they've tried. Nobody, nobody is hearing them. And this man said, no, let's go, let's go. And then as he went there, he was removing the stones one after the other. The other parents after a while left. He remained alone. He continued removing the stones one after the other and shouting the son's name. After a long time, when it was even becoming dark, he heard the voice of the son. Daddy, I am here. But do you know what touched me? When the man was able to start bringing them out, the children, the first one that came out, he was calling his son. The first one that came out was not his son. The second was not his son. 
the third was not his son. Every child came out and the son came out last. And when he asked the son, why didn't you come out immediately? He said, I told them that you will wait for me. I told them that they should go. That because of me, you will stay. God never leaves. We are the ones that after waiting, we say, okay, no, let's go. It will not happen again. Praise Jesus. If I believe him, I will obey him. The reason why we don't obey God is because we don't really believe him. It's easy for us to come to church, raise our hands, do all kinds of things. But when we go out, we do something different. It means we don't believe. Church is just, you know, let me do like others are doing. For some of us, it's a show day. So if I believe him, I will obey him. If I ask him question and say, Father, what do I do? I will wait for an answer. And when he gives me instruction, I will follow. It means I obey. It means I believe. Praise Jesus. Abraham was a man that anything he was asked to do, he would do it exactly that way. How can they ask a man, go and sacrifice? The Bible even I mean, recorded your son and then said, the one that you love. If not, Hagar would have died. And he took him. And when he brought out the knife, he was not saying, God, see, I want to... Do you see, are we still together? No. He was going to, uh, I mean, kill him. Praise Jesus. Hebrews eleven six. 6. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder, rewarder to them that seek him. A rewarder. It's an assurance. If you seek me, I will reward you. But you must believe that I am. That's what God is saying to us. You must believe that I am. If I have to pray to God, the most important revelation I must have is that God always answers prayer. Why will I go to God when I know that he may not answer me? If that is the case, I will go for the approval of my answer before I pray. I will first apply. Will you answer this? This is what I want to ask. But if he says I will answer, then I will pray. But he said that he will answer. And then but I need to believe, come to that revelation. God always answers prayer. Once I come to that revelation, it makes it easy for me to pray. And then when I pray, I will start knowing that he will answer or have answered. Many times when we ask God things, we now go and start doing like he will not answer. Because we don't believe that he has answered or that he will answer. So that revelation is important. God always answers prayers. He always answers prayer. You know, there's something I wrote here. It's just to bring it to us to fall. That's for our understanding. You need to profile God for yourself. You, you know when they say they write a profile? That is, you need to define who God is for you. Because if you don't define whom God is for you, then you will not be able to believe him. Let me tell you something. If pastor now say, Lord, after service, come, I will give you a check of one billion. I will not believe him. Pastor, I'm not trying to... I'm just being realistic. Praise Jesus. You know why? Because I have profiled him for myself. I know what he can do and what he cannot do. As long as I am concerned... 
Now, I may not know if by yesterday night they transferred 10 billion into his account. That I don't, I don't know. So, but for now, with my own knowledge now, I will not believe him. So the question you have to ask yourself in this definition, is God capable? That's number one. You need to deal with God's capacity. When you have finished dealing with his capacity and then you judged him capable, that's number one. Then number two, is he willing? Is he willing to do it for me? Praise Jesus. The word says that he's willing, right? If he is willing and I judge him that he's willing, then I've got number two. The third one is that, is he compassionate to overlook my faults? Is he compassionate? Is he merciful? Is he loving? Is he kind? Is he good? Because he may be willing and because of who I am, he will say, no, 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 this one does not deserve it. But he's compassionate, merciful enough to call me to himself no matter however I am looking. If I profile God correctly, then when I pray, I will believe that he has answered me. Praise Jesus. You know, let me tell us a little story. When I was a student, I'm just saying this for us to understand God is not limited by circumstances. God is not limited by the stories we are told. God is not limited by the negative information they've just given us. When I was a student in Europe, there was a time a bid for scholarship came for students who, I mean, have not been able because of financial situation, I mean, continue their education. The time this thing came, I've left university for three years working, trying to survive because that was during the time, that is, if you remember SAP, Babangida era. So dollars went so high that my parents, in fact, most of the parents in Nigeria then could not even afford to finance their, their children again. So I was one of those victims. I was just working, I would work here, I would work here, you know, trying to, to meet up, but, and all in the hope that I would do that and study. It's not possible. I was studying engineering. So one year, there's a bid for scholarships for students like us. So we bid it. You know, you put in all your things and so on. Now, some Nigerian students who were somehow supported by the Vatican then, they were having Italian government scholarships. They were having scholarships and then the priest that was helping them uh, gives them residence. So all of them in that residence, Nigerian students, they gathered together and said that they are going to bid for a second one. And you know what it means? For us, that our performance will not meet their own. That means we are out. So they bid it. Other African students told them, no, that, this is greed. We are not going to do that. One Nigerian student, he's a medical doctor, he's in America now. He's the only one that told him, sorry, I won't do this. The scholarship I have is for my studies. It's not for me to become rich. And I have enough to study. So he's the one that told me the story. When he told me the story, I had it. I said, well, if they get it, that's a problem. But I was thinking that the ministry will look at the things and then sort it out. But unfortunately, they were given. And all of us were knocked out. So I took up a protest. I wrote a petition and went to the National Library that time and gathered every 
foreign students, both those that have scholarship and to, to sign it. I was, my own was, I was the first to sign. And that protest, that petition was sent to the uh, Minister of Foreign Affairs and to the very, I mean, that is uh, agency that scholarship was coming from. And then to our university. And also, I now told them that I'm going to send it to journals if, if this is not changed. Now, the agency did not, well, all they did, they removed it from them. But they put me on blacklist. I was blacklisted. But I will never get scholarship as far as they are concerned. That's the people that did it. You know, because I opened up the mistake they made. It's not because they were collecting bribe. No. But they did not do their, their due diligence. So what happened is that because of that, there's this, our auntie, is an Italian, that works in the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. She opted to help to see what she can do. So she took my file and gave it to the PAMSEC of the ministry. So you know, such a powerful position. He's number two, after the minister is in now. Gave it to him to help. So the man looked and heard the story and said, I oh, know I will help, I will help. It took like almost six months. They were working on it. So he sent my documents to Nigeria, to Lagos, Italian embassy there. And the reply they gave at last was that if the scholarship they bring to Nigeria are for the students who are still in Nigeria. So if we have to give him scholarship, he has to come back to Nigeria first. I got this message because that time I've gone back to school, that is, you know, studying with very much difficulties. I got the message when I was just coming in because there was no GSM, it's just by... My phone was ringing almost at midnight and I got it and she told me the story. She said, oh, I'm sorry. This is what happened. There's nothing that can be done. The PAMSEC is very sorry about it. When she said this, I said, okay. I now went on my knees. I started crying to God. And I said, Father, I don't want this scholarship next year. I want it tomorrow. Listen to me. The condition was not showing any sign. They've just told me it's not possible. And I am now here crying to God, saying I want it tomorrow morning. I don't know if you understand me. Tomorrow morning. And then in the morning, after crying, I woke up in the morning and prayed again. I said, Father, I'm going. I took up my file. I have this thing about that. Anything I submit, you know, I was taught to do that. I will keep the exact copy the way I submitted it in a file. So I took that file up. Do you know where I went to? To that agency where I was blacklisted. Normally when you come at their reception, there is nothing that will make them allow you to go and see the DG. It is not possible. Because the people you meet, their security. They'll give you a form. When you fill the form, they will take it in and then they may call you to other people, not to the DG. Now, the people they will call me to are those that blacklisted me. Praise Jesus. But when I got there, normally there are two security, but only one. I filled the form that I want to see the DG. I gave him the form. The man looked at it and took the form and went through all the long corridor and went straight to DG's office. Knocked, gave him my form that there's one boy that wants to see you. The man said, come in. Praise Jesus. So I got into his office. He said, my son, what can I do for you? I sat down, I told him my story. But I didn't tell him about the blacklist. I told him how I needed this thing, how, you know. He said, but did you apply for I said, I applied. And they did not give you. He said, no. What did you submit? I said, look at it, sir. So he looked at the whole thing. He said, ah, but there's this years you are not. Uh... I said, yes. That's exactly the thing that I, would... I was working. I was trying to survive. 
The man asked me a question, but if I give you scholarship now, do you promise me that you are going to make it? I said, sir, this is the only thing. If not, I will go back to my account. He took the intercom and dialed and called that office that blacklisted me. Say one of them should come. The woman came because they know me. When, when she came, she started trembling. She thought I've reported them to the DG. She started like, so he said, ah, okay, ah, what, what? The, the man said, can you see how to give, uh, what you can do for him and give him scholarship? The next morning, this was 10 o'clock in the morning. And then the woman took me to her office. If you see how she was petting me, that's like if I was, uh, you know, I, was, I became guest of honor. Then she took the note verbal form and gave me and said, go, there's a lawyer that I have to go and submit it to. Once I submit that note verbal, it's done. That means by 10.30 in the morning, I was having scholarship. I want to tell you something. Do you know what? That our auntie that called the night before. After everything was submitted, we went to her. That's to, to her office. She came. She was still saying, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, that's, I know that the, the news must have broken you down. I said, but I have scholarship. No, you know what? Thank God I, I was with Nina that time. She turned to Nina and said, the brain must have, this thing must have taken him away. She told her, no, he has got it. This woman never believed in God, but that very incident brought her to Christ. What happened to me made her to believe. In fact, the time she had a tumor, breast cancer, no? She called me. She was going in for surgery. She called me and said, please, pray for me. That was the day I led her to Christ and then prayed for her. She went into the surgery and came out that the cancer stayed and it was evacuated from where it did not move. Praise Jesus. I just want to tell us that God is not limited at all. He cannot be limited by what you've heard. The thing is that he can only be limited by your unbelief. By my unbelief. Because when I had that, I would have also started crying. Started hoping next time. Who knows when again. You understand? But the thing is that somehow, I was not at my believing level now. But thank God for the Holy Spirit helping us to say kneel down and ask God. Praise Jesus. Can we go to Mark chapter 5 from verse 21? Now, when Jesus had crossed over again by a boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, and she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and has suffered many things from many physicians. She has spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes. I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up. 
and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. That's it. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. That's three. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what has happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, 38. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. 42. Praise Jesus. Okay. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talita Kumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately, the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it, and said that something should be given to her to eat. Praise Jesus. Let's stop here. These two cases, they have one thing in common. They are hopeless cases. But they have different approach to Jesus. One is a leader of the synagogue. He knows how to make presentation. He knows how to speak. When he's walking, everybody is clearing. He's a noble man. So he came to Jesus. He presented. You see how he said, come. Now, he's having a case that we can say is, it can be managed. But within the time, uh, listen, he was made hopeless, right? Now, this other woman had a hopeless case, was also rejected, cannot appear in public. You know, people, you know, push her out. Probably she smells. She looks pale. You know what it means for somebody to be losing blood for 12 years? And then, she has gone everywhere possible. And the Bible said, the thing became worse. She has gone, if it's in Nigeria, it said she has even gone to India and came back worse. There's no hope. But this woman, when she heard about Jesus, she doesn't know Jesus. She's not like the leader of the synagogue, Jairus, who somehow, you know, have some knowledge of the word of God, has some prestige, respect in the society. They are not the same. So she opted that I will take my own without anybody knowing. I don't have to go to Jesus to present myself. What I have come to tell you is that whether you are big, you are a pastor, whatever you are, in the presence of God, the same grace is available. All he needs is your belief. Both of them believed 
Jairus believed. The woman believed. And with their belief, he did it for both of them. In fact, let me say something. Jairus would have fallen apart when he had that news. But Jesus intervened and said, wait, wait, don't just hold it there. Do not be afraid. Only believe. If Jesus has not said that, Jairus would have started going home. I mean, Jairus must be a man, I mean, in the sense, a man of the law. He must believe that, okay, I've seen him do this, I've heard him do this, but I've not heard of him raising the dead. So healing, I know it's possible. I've heard of many people he has, I've even seen the people he has healed. But this one is now dead. Jairus would have walked away. But Jesus had to step up his faith and say, no, 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 no. It is still possible. It is still possible. When that word of disappointment or discouragement comes, it is still possible. Praise Jesus. I want us to see verse, praise Jesus, 42. Do you see what it starts with? Immediately. Immediately. This is the case of Jairus. Can you go to verse 29? In the case of the woman, immediately. The same grace. Two different people, two different uh, kind of people, two different presentations, both of them immediately. Our faith draws the immediately. Our belief is what draws the immediately. If you can believe immediately, praise Jesus. I want us to see something. Jesus was being thronged by the multitude. They were touching him, you know, anyhow. But the people touching Jesus were not receiving anything. But one woman came. I don't know how you have been touching Jesus. I don't know how you come to him. You know, you can come. Like we are gathered today. Someone may come with faith and go with results. You may come in, it's just a Sunday, it's a Wednesday, it's a prayer meeting. Just, just, just. And then when you go, you are the same. But one person will come. Two people will come. All of us in Jesus' name will come. By faith, we touch. If you believe God, you will touch him. With faith. Whenever we are in the presence of God, I want to assure you that this same grace that brought back the daughter of Jairus, that restored this woman, this same grace is available. Whenever we come into his presence, this grace is available. But it depends on us. It depends on you. It depends on me. Praise Jesus. How we come. How do I approach do I have to let everybody know that I'm, you know? However, but what matters is, do I believe him? Do I believe him? One of the questions we need to always ask ourselves is that when we pray, after praying, we have doubts. What really happens? I have prayed, but I have doubts. What happens? You, you remember the man, I mean, that had a child, you know, that is uh, epileptic, Right? When Jesus said, only believe, the man said, I believe, but help my unbelief. The man knew that his belief is not to what he's seeing. In fact, like the day pastor preached it, he saw the man even magnified the problem. That is what he was telling Jesus. This one is not that level. What is happening to my son is not that uh, level. This one, they need a special meeting. They need to organize a special, uh, you know, Section, prayer section, fasting, prayer, and all that for this one to happen. 
And Jesus said, only believe. And the man prayed a wonderful prayer. He said, I believe, but help my unbelief. Praise Jesus. James 1, 6 to 8. He said, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in his ways. Do you see what happens when we pray and doubt? We don't receive. We don't what? Receive. When we pray and we doubt, we don't receive. He say is like a double, he is a double-minded man, unstable in his ways, in all his ways. You know, the situation we put ourselves sometimes is that I am believing God for something and I will go to choose the man that will do it. So I will be looking at that man and be telling God, "Uh this is the man. You know, do you know what? I've reduced God's capacity to that man's capacity. Because my eyes is on that man, not on God. So if I'm asking God, I'm looking, then if the man disappoints me, finish. Prayer ended. It means that God has not answered me. But indeed, I did not ask God, I asked the man. It's the man that disappointed me, not God. Because if I believe God, I will look unto him. I will say, he will tell me, okay, look at what you do. And I will do what? I will do it. If he tells me to go to that man, I will go to that man. But suppose he says, no, don't go to that man. And that's the only man I know. The only thing I will do is that because he has said I should not go to that man, I will not go to the man and wait on him. Mark eleven twenty four 24 says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. You see belief coming again. Whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Okay, that's, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you have received them and you will have them. Let me read it in the, praise Jesus. The thing is that when I pray to God, like we started, do I believe? Like we said, do I believe that he answers prayers? Someone may ask, like, I mean, I was challenged once. And that somehow wanted to change my view. What the person told me that time was that persistent prayer is lack of faith. That for you to show faith is that you ask, then you go thanking God. If you are the managing director of heaven, you can do that. You say, I have approved it. So it's done. There are some prayers sometimes that need persistence. There are some that I pray I get. There are sometimes I must persist. Look at that woman that Jesus used. I mean, the book of Luke 18. The woman that prayed. You know, in Luke 18, 6 to 8, the woman that, sorry, that was going to that unjust judge, right? That very woman, do you know the thing that we have to understand about her? The woman knew that this judge is capable of giving me vengeance. So, because she knows the capacity, the ability, now, the only thing she has to work on is the willingness and the compassion. So, and since this man is a wicked judge, if I continue persisting, ah, and the judge said, no, wait, this woman will wear me out. Let me give her judgment. And Jesus says something very sweet in Luke 18. 
He said, then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him? Unjust judge, a just God. He said, though he be as long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he really find faith on earth? Will he find you still believing? Will he find me still believing? Praise Jesus. You know, sometimes people say some things. They mix up things. I remember one of my staff. Those days, if you remember when Obama came, you know, as president, there's so many of those stories. Some people say Christ is coming. uh, It's the Antichrist and all that. So this lady entered my office. You know, and I told her, see, are you hearing this about the Antichrist? You know, he said, Jesus is not coming, sir. I said, how do you mean? He said, I'm not yet married. It was funny. But you see, her faith is that I've asked God that I want to get married. So, I must get married. He mixed it up, yes. But look at, I mean, just understand it. She, today she's married. Anyway. Praise Jesus. But do you understand what I'm saying? That is, for her. You see this prayer I've been praying. Ah, I have received the answer. I must see the answer here on earth. Praise Jesus. Let's look at another persistent prayer. In the book of 1 Kings 18, from verse 41. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink. For there is the sound of abundance rain. Elijah was, we know, a man of faith, right? Elijah has, so many things has, he has done by just commanding. Okay? But look at Elijah here. 42. Then Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Camel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face be- between his knees and said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. Ah, uh-uh. Elijah, have prayed, go up, and you come back and say, There is uh, nothing. And what? And seven times he said, go again. That's Elijah prayed number two, number three, number four, number five, number six, and number seven. And what happened? Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down. Before the rain stops you. Elijah was drawing down. When we pray to God, our persistence draws down. You understand? It's not because he does not answer us. But you know, draw down. You are pulling it down. You are pulling it down. That's why when we are praying for Nigeria, we don't say we have prayed once. We have to draw down. Because we have not seen it yet. We have to continue and draw down. Praise Jesus. You know, Jesus himself, because this helped me a lot. If you go to Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. When Jesus was praying in the garden of Gethsemane, 39 said, he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will but as you will. He prayed this prayer, he would have stopped there. 
Go to 42. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me, unless I drink it, your will be done. Persistent, right? Can we go to 44? So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Jesus, we are talking about. And then you come to tell me that when I pray to God, I should just leave that, you know? Yes. Unless the Holy Spirit tells you that. If the Holy Spirit gives you that instruction, wonderful. You have to, in obedience, right? But one thing is this, that when you need something from God, you know that he's God. You are not his ogre. One of the ways Chikamso gets something from the mom is that he will persist and persist and persist. Then the mom will just give her a take. Stop disturbing me. You know? In fact, sometimes, in some persistence, I'll say, stop it. Then he'll get angry. That's the time. Because you know that if I have spoken, no more. There's nothing can be done. Then he'll just get angry and go and maybe start crying or start... Uh... But as long as between the two of them, he will persist. He will persist. He will persist. You know? If you wake up in... Don't make the mistake of promising him anything. If you promise him anything, he will always remember what you promised. In fact, he will tell you when you promised, how you promised, the time, the hour, the second you promised. And by the time he tells you, mommy, you promised. Praise Jesus. If God has promised you, he will do it. If God has promised me, he will do it. Praise Jesus. I want to round up. But before I do that, I want to show us Two prayers in the Bible that are very similar. The prayers were prayed by people who know that God always answers. And great miracles took place there. Let's go to the book of John chapter 11 from verse 38. Then Jesus again groaning himself came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes said, I want you to listen to this. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Praise Jesus. This prayer is prayed by someone who knows that God always answers him. Permit me to use someone. I know what I mean. I know we are talking about Jesus. But permit me in this case to use someone. Because Jesus is not praying from the position of God. He's praying from the position of man because he was still here on earth. Praise Jesus. So, I mean, he said, I know you have answered me and that you always answer me. But because of the people that are looking, that are watching, so that they will know that you sent me. Praise Jesus. Let's go back to that First Kings 18. 36 to 39. This is Elijah praying. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. This was the time he called down the fire. 
that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and that I have done all these things in your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that these people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and it leaked up the water that was in the trench. Let's stop here. Praise Jesus. Do you see that he was not in doubt if God will answer? He knows that God answers always. And then look at what he did. He's now no more praying for himself. He's praying for those who are there. This answer, Father, is needed that they may believe. Praise Jesus. We have to come to a point where we know that God always answers us. Now, when we know that, if you look at all the references, none of them was going about boasting. They were humbled by the fact that God answers them. They know that God answers them. Praise Jesus. Do we believe that God answers prayers? That's the question you have to ask yourself. Do I believe that God answers prayers? Let us stand up. In Matthew 7, 7, it says, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it shall be opened. These words are written. This is a promise. They are written for you, and they are written for me. Matthew 21, verse 22 says, And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. New King James said, says it, and whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. I want you to pray, Father, today, O oh Lord, my situation has to change. I don't know what you came with, but that woman came with a problem of 12 years, a hopeless problem of 12 years. A problem that has eaten everything that he has, that she had. A problem that has taken away every hope. However you came, believe that today, ah, you must touch his clothes. If only I can touch. If only I can touch. If only I can touch. I will be made whole. Is it sickness? Is it marital problems? Is it financial? Is it career? Is it family? Whatever. He is able He's able and he's willing. And he's merciful. He's compassionate. He's loving. He's good. He's kind. And he will. If only I believe. Pray for yourself, Father, O oh Lord. Help my unbelief today. You've been listening to a message from the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Barnex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. 9 a.m. on Sundays and 6 p.m. on Wednesdays. For telephone, 09 290 9000 or 0703 15 You can find us online. 
online at www.thefatherschurchonline.org. God bless you.